This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, guys. It's Trevor Tulliver here, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, folks, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host and creator, Keith Lawrence, and joining me this week, we have a special guest. No, it's not our new co-host, Mark Smith, excuse me, and Milan Laukovic. No, they are both on football duties this weekend, but I am pleased to say to welcome back to the show. He's one of our old favourites. It is Warren. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? And it's nice to see you looking so well. Oh, well, thank you very much. I, I believe you're referring to my rather hairless head at the moment as I've gone bald. Um, but uh, through choice, not through nature. Um, but yes, I'm very well. Very pleased to be back on the show. A lot of uh, hot topics to talk about at the minute. It's been a little while since I've been on. Um, obviously, I think the last two times I was on was... Uh, the last time that Lampard left the club. And the time previous to this was when Abramovich was being forced to sell the club last year. Mm. Um, so I believe that's the last two times I was on. A lot has happened since then. There's a um, lot to talk about with current affairs. So, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to getting stuck into it. Well, as this weekend Chelsea aren't playing, which is probably thankful for uh, everybody's hearts and Mind, we're going to talk about the recent news that's just obviously come out, and it's obviously with the Chelsea circus that's going around in terms of finding a new manager for next season. We've obviously got Super Frank in charge until the end of the season. We are, we know he ain't going to get the job long term, but the news that came out for courtesy of Sky Sports and it's been um, through other media sources. And that is that there's this shortlist that's now dwindled down to three. And the candidates include Mauricio Pochettino, Vincent Company, and a mystery guy with a, apparent links to Chelsea. Whether that's Jose or somebody else, we, we won't know quite yet. But those are the three allegedly in, in the frame. Nagelsmann announced yesterday that he doesn't want the job. Probably the right thing. And Enrique, who wanted the job, apparently Chelsea did not want. So, Warren, obviously you've been looking at it from up north and you've been looking at it from uh, as a fan's point of view. What's your take on the circus surrounding Chelsea Football Club at this moment? Well, I think that's exactly what it is. It is a bit of a circus and it is, it's pretty embarrassing. I guess that what has happened is... 
what you would expect to happen really you know a guy a guy and a or two guys a consortium a business have come in whatever and they've never owned um an english sports team let alone an english football team let alone the most successful english sports team of the century um which chelsea are in terms of number of trophies one and you know obviously european success and everything so um <clears throat> I think that it was always going to be an extraordinarily difficult transitional period and mistakes were always going to have been made. Um, I can accept that. I can accept that there's a transitional period. I can accept that. Um, I, I can accept where we are in the league to a certain point of view, not necessarily like quite as low as we are, but I could understand and accept being lower down in the league than certainly than what we've been used to for the last 20 years. Um, and like I say, there was always going to be teething problems, but, these problems don't seem like teething problems. They seem like deep-rooted terminal issues within the club. Um, and I think that a lot of that was covered up by um, Abramovich because under his stewardship, at the very least, although he couldn't be quite as active and participate as much as he wanted to because of like political reasons in the last number of years of owning the club, he had an infrastructure set up within the club to make sure that it was run properly and make sure it was run correctly and, and to make sure that it was running with the sole purpose of Chelsea being successful um, rather than Chelsea being a successful business. Abramovich had an infrastructure set up for us to be a successful football club and the business sort of almost came second. Now, that's not, not to mean that we wasn't shooting a lot of our business and we made a lot of money and we was, you know, self-sufficient and stuff like that. <clears throat> it's not to say any of that, but it was just run different. And I think Bohe's come in and I think he's bitten off a lot more than he realised he had. Not to say that, you know, I'm not going to say he's bitten off more than he can chew at the minute because it's very early days. But yeah, there just seems to be all of the players that we've bought scream to me Bohe signings. You know, I, I don't, know if any managers had how much I don't know how much any of the managers um two corn potter who had or who, who are obviously in charge of us during the transfer windows I'm not sure how much input they had um I liken it to somebody playing a game of football manager or FIFA and you know their their, their central midfielder isn't playing very well and he's rated 78 so they go and spend 80 million on some hot shot guy who's rating his 86 and yeah that works perfectly fine on FIFA and Football Manager it doesn't necessarily work as well in real life we've seen that with do you know what we saw this 20, 25 years ago with Leeds when they went out and spent like a lot of money on you know people like Rhea Ferdinand and Olivier Decaul and Mark Viduca and Kuehl and Boyer and you know they went out and spent a lot of money on players and it didn't work they got relegated a few seasons later um so it doesn't always work just throwing loads of money at it. Fulham came up a few years ago and spent 120 million and went straight back down. This time they've come up, and it's not to say that they haven't, you know, made some very. It's not to say they haven't had some very successful business in the transfer market and spent a bit of money, but they, they're a structured club now and they ha they have an identity. That's what Chelsea are lacking at the minute. Chelsea are lacking an identity because in the past when we've had bad seasons and we've finished ninth or tenth or fifth or sixth or whatever. Most of the time we've won an FA Cup or a Champions League or a Europa League or something because the identity of the club was one that just won things no matter what. That was the identity of our club. We were winners, whereas now we have no identity. We don't have that. We don't have anything to fall back on. It's still There's still remnants of it about the place. Um, I think the Real Madrid game the other night was a classic example of that. 
you know, without uh, we're going to talk about obviously the fact that we don't have a striker and the fact that nobody's playing very well and you know you can't. It's it's harsh to single out single players. I mean, Cucurella's had an awful season, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I was like, yeah, but has Reece James has been that much better when he's been fit? Has has Havertz been any better? Has has Mount been any better? Has Chilwell been any better? I mean, I must say that our two most consistent performers this season. I know that James and Kante have spent an awful lot of time out injured. Graham Potter never had the opportunity to start Angolo Kante during his whole reign. So I think that's something that we'll, and again, we'll speak more specifically about Tuchel, Potter and Lampard and stuff as the pod podcast goes on. But, you know, that's something that Graham Potter had work against him quite a lot. The fact that the guy that's been the best in his role for the last probably eight or nine years, he never, ever got to select him. And it doesn't seem like he was ever allowed to actually go and sign a striker um, either. So I think that, that worked against him quite a lot. Um but yeah, so apart from people that have been out injured, so they're not necessarily, it wouldn't be fair to say they haven't had good seasons because they've spent a lot of time injured, right? So I think that our two best performers this season have been, obviously, Thiago Silva, like just rock solid. Don't even think we need to say anything more other than just Thiago. Thiago at the back, no one in attack, as they say. Um, so Thiago, and, and also I think um, Kepa has had an excellent season, given how bad Given, I think because I, I don't, I don't think he's made lots of mistakes. I think that he had a period of time. Um, I think it was just before, or just after the World Cup, he he had a series of games where he played really, really well. I think it was when Potter first came in, um, and he was making some brilliant saves. But given the fact that you know we've discussed Kepper before, and the fact that he was hung out to dry by Frank and all the rest of it, and he was playing in a god awful team that had no tactical awareness and were just conceding goals left, right, and centre for a period of time. Um, and he's kind of in that position again. But when do you? I I don't remember pundits talking about Kepper having a bad game because he he hasn't really had bad games. There's not. I, I can't think of loads of goals he should have saved. I mean, he's had poor moments. Yeah, he's a goalkeeper. That happens to goalkeepers. So I think. But that's how. That's the thing. That tell me somebody that's had a better season than Kepper then, other than Thiago. Because I saw you shake, I saw you sort of put no, in a face. I was, you pulled I was a face surprised. when I said I was Kepa. surprised that you said Kepa. I was right, I, I, I I'm, Kepa. I'll be surprised if you can say anyone else. I mean, Fafana's looked good when he hasn't been injured. I, I like the look of Fafana. When he hasn't been injured, yeah. I think Chile's done quite well. But yeah, but he there's been there's been games that I think Chile's done extremely well. And but I think it, he's only started about seven or eight I, games this season. I accept your point in terms of Potter the fact he didn't have Kante there were moments he didn't have Chilwell and James in yeah a lot of in, moments in the they side only start, as well they only they only started under Potter together three times mm. James and Chilwell they both started the same game three times under Potter and I but, don't necessarily see you now I don't necessarily think that Potter was necessarily the right man for the job but at the moment, well, no, there isn't a right man for the job. But there isn't a right man. Who is then? Who could have done a better job than Potter? And why? Why could they have done a better job? We've had three managers this season. And under all of them, we've won. We've got like the same sort of points ratio, the same kind of goals per game ratio, which is basically like less than one. And we pick up hardly any points. It's Our goal like, return's you know, been shocking this season. It's it's mm. been it's been bad this season. Um, 
Back to your point, who I thought would have done a better job. The only one I could think of would have been, and would have been controversial, but the only ones I could think of, Enrique, but he was still part of the Spain national team anyway, because he left after the World Cup. My issue with Tom... So wait a minute, you think you think that Luis Enrique I, coming, I in, think... coming in in the second week of September without a pre-season, never being a manager over here before doesn't really like know the club, probably doesn't know a lot of the players. You think him coming in in the second week of September, he would have done a better job than Grandpa? Yes. Why? Why, didn't, one, why wasn't, why wasn't true, Tuchel doing a better job? Why wasn't Tuchel doing a better Tuchel job? Tuchel had factors internally that he he right. was, there was a point he wasn't getting a tune out of the players. And even when we've done shows, Warren, even last season, this thing between Tuchel and Todd, or Tuchel and Chelsea, I'm not going to put Todd in this, I'm Tuchel and Chelsea, this thing between him and the club, this didn't happen when Todd took over at the end of the season. This happened way before. Way, way before. This right, happened, but, 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 but this happened around the League time. Cup final time. Yeah, but, was, but he'd been there that whole time after. It got to a point where Tuchel wasn't getting a tune out of the players, and the players stopped working for him. So at that point, Tuchel, it seems, probably didn't want to be there. And his mannerisms, his character completely changed. There is no way that the Tuchel that won us the Champions League would have done what he did with Conte at the start of the season. I guarantee that. There was obviously issues. Personal life was affecting him. And it obviously translated that onto the players. So he had to go. I have no issue with the fact that Tuchel had to go. But if you're a new owner... And you've got a new toy. You've got a shiny new toy. You've got a shiny new business. You've purchased it. You want to make an impact. What do you do? You want to make an impact. You want to make a statement. You want people to keep fear in Chelsea Football Club. What do you do? You end up bringing in someone like Potter? No. You bring... You get the best. You get somebody that's going to mould a team into winners. Potter wasn't going to do that. Which is exactly what Potter done at Brighton. No, 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 but Brighton... No, no, no. I'm talking winners as in trophy winners. I'm talking in world-class players. But if you take the amount that he improved Brighton... Um... Brighton fans were booing him. Brighton fans were turning on Potter because there was a point where Brighton wasn't winning matches on a regular basis. There was a point, there was was a point like where Brighton had games. no striker. Yeah, there was a point where Brighton had no striker. And they couldn't convert the chances into goals. They created loads of chances. They played great football. Um, and they always did. And the Brighton fans should be ashamed of themselves. They were, they they were booing they Potter in the after Premier, matches. Yeah, they were booing the Brighton team. It wasn't that they were booing... Yeah, they was, right, OK. They were booing the Brighton team. They, I don't necessarily think they were booing Potter. I don't ever remember seeing excessive amounts of like anti-Potter things on social media or anything from Brighton fans or anything like that. It was never like that. It was, they were frustrated that the club as an entity hadn't gone out and bought a striker so that they could convert these chances into goals. And Potter's had exactly the same problem at Chelsea. What could Potter do? Potter came in and like, clearly he would have wanted like, you know, we needed a striker. Even your dog agrees. With me. Kane. Um, anyway, um, 
So I don't think like he clearly would have wanted a striker and he didn't get one. He got, yeah, okay. So Yao Felix and Mudrick and Enzo Fernandez and these are all meant to be like great players and everything, but it's not what we wanted, it's not what we needed. We've got about nineteen wingers. It's ridiculous. Like And, I mean, and we've got another one on on the way in the summer. Yeah, and Cuckoo by the look of it. Um so like no, I don't I don't blame Potter and I think it's I, I don't think he can be judged on this six month period, this six, seven, eight months or whatever he was at Chelsea, I don't think he he can be judged on that. And I think it's completely unfair to judge him on that. And what else I think is completely unfair is I do, do you know what I've do you know what I haven't seen from like basically anyone all season? And I've never seen anyone supporting the team. All I've seen is this is shit, that person's shit, this is shit, this is, and it has been shit. And people have the right to voice the fact that it's shit. But I don't see well that was really shit. But, you know, we've got this team on Saturday. Can't wait for that. Buzzing for it. Come on, the boys. I'll be there cheering you on. All I've seen is, don't even know why I bother. Well, don't then. Don't then. Do you know what? There's quite a good saying that I think that, like, um, sums up my emotions towards the lack of support that the team and the players have supported this season and the managers and everything. And it's, if you can't support us when we're shit, don't support us when we win. And I believe that yourself, Keith, have been quite guilty of being extraordinarily negative on a very consistent basis. And I think that you've used, um, you've referenced Graham Potter as different things, you know, like, you know, slagging him and patronising him. And I think it's completely unfair because Tuchel didn't do a better job. Lampard's not doing a better job. Nobody's doing a good job. Nobody. Mason Mount's been poor really really poor now i want mason mount to stay i'd love I'd, i think he deserves to get his new contract i'd love to see him stay i think he's going to be a very he could be a very important figure for chelsea especially at a time like this because he's kind of become our mr chelsea kind of yeah. thing you know so he's an important connection between the club and the fans and the academy and everything and everything that you know Chelsea fans want the club to stand for. Mason Mount's all about that, so I want him to stay. But he's been awful. He's been awful. He's been one of the worst players in the team like this season. His his form has really, really suffered as a result of the circus that is Chelsea Football Club at the minute. So, but you can sit there and we can agree that we want Mount to stay, even though he's been awful. He's been worse than anyone else. But yet Graham Potter is a child who can't possibly hack it and. All the rest of it. I think it's completely unfair, Keith. I think it's completely unfair because Tuchel didn't do a better job. Neither's Lampard. Bohe's done an awful job. All the players have done a bad job. The recruitment process, the sporting directors, the coaches, they've all done very, very bad jobs. I did very much like to see Ashley Cole on the pitch the other night, geeing up the Chelsea defenders before the Real Madrid game. That really got my... Did they listen, that... though? Do you think they, they listened? They... Well, they was very... Did I you think, think they on played... their body language that they were taking in what Ashley was saying? I think I if you think look at, did. I think if you look at the performance, absolutely they did. We was excellent. We was excellent without a striker and therefore being unable to score a goal. I mean, yes, okay, so other players can score and stuff like that, but it, it, it's different. A strike that the, the reason a striker, the reason you've got very good strikers and not so good strikers, is because very good strikers can handle the pressure situations. And when you've got a striker that handles the pressure situations, that reduces the amount of pressure that's being placed on other goals scoring sources so you know your Reece James's your Felix your Havertz the, the people that are meant to get 10-12 goals a season we're needing them to score 25 goals a season there's too much pressure on them and they're having to play they're having to adjust their game and not necessarily playing to their the best of their ability 
Um, and so, yeah, goals should come from other sources. But without that striker, so if you look at us playing the European champions, the team that's been in the semi-final nine out of the last 11 seasons and have won like five Champions Leagues in the last eight years or whatever it is, it's ridiculous. A team of Canavinga and Valverde, not to mention Kroos and Modric and Benzema and Vinicius and Rodrigo and Courtois had an is he's been he's had an excellent twelve months, an excellent twelve, eighteen months. You know, I don't like the snakey C U N T. But um and just quickly, we, we overran them. We overran them for a lot of the game. Yes, we ran out of legs towards the end. Yes, James was suffering terribly with pain and injuries and everything and blah, blah. No, we didn't have a striker. But yeah, I think they listened to Ashley Cole. I think they went out there and they went out there with intensity and the crowd was fantastic. The place was absolutely buzzing. I was sat here with my partner watching it and obviously I had the telly turned up quite loud. And even my missus said, you know, God, they're really loud tonight. Like the, the the atmosphere was buzzing. It was a European night at Stamford Bridge, and it brought back all their memories and everything. And we had an identity for about an hour, for about an hour, and then you know we we suffered a little bit. Um, I think the players got tired, and Real Madrid, are Real Madrid, you know, let's, let's let's have it right. They're the European champions, and we played for. 35 minutes over there with 10 men and I thought we played very well we had very good chances Cortar made a couple of very good saves Mount's chance near the end when um, I think it might have been Alaba come across and got a block or it might have been Militao I'm not sure um, but we created really good chances in the uh, Bernabeu and we could, we should have won at Stamford Bridge as well we had some great opportunities and stuff and so yeah like I mean we actually played really, really well, but all I've seen is negativity about it. All I've seen is, and it's like, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get how people can't support the team in times like this. This is when they need us. This is what supporters are for. You're particularly guilty of being very, very negative and slagging <laughs> the club, players off at the club and everything. No, not all players. Not all players. Listen, I've, I've all the always... players deserve it. All the players deserve it. I think the buck stops with no, the players. I think I, I, there's not, an awful lot more going on. It's not just more... it's not just the players. It's not just the players. It's not just the management. It's not just the. It, it's a combination of everything that is going wrong at this moment. Yes, I take it. Obviously, we've got a new owner, but not all clubs that have new owners have problems immediately afterwards. It's how it is run that is the issue. Certain players. In fact, a lot of players haven't performed. We've had a lot of turnover of players within the last 12 months. We've brought in players that, quite frankly, are not good enough, that are not going to challenge the big teams for top honours. We've brought in young players who are who I would love to see in the Chelsea shirt week in, week out. Would love to see them perform and be nurtured in the right way and how Chelsea have nurtured players and have produced world-class performances with world-class players. I'd love to see that. I'd love us to turn the young players into household names. I'd love us to have a manager with a bit of spunk, with a bit of guile, with a bit of expertise about it, a little bit of a Chelsea swagger about him that you know what I'm talking about in terms of that Chelsea way. I'd love to see that. I haven't seen that all season. Too cool, like I said. There was issues and he had to go. Potter, wrong place, wrong time. Listen, Lampard, 10 minutes on that Sunday when you text me to say, 
Potter's sacked and there was talk of Lampard already coming through. You text me to say you're, you was a bit wary of it. When I first heard Lampard was potentially going to come in, for 10 minutes, I was excited. After that, I'm thinking, is he going to be the right guy? What if it doesn't work out? And, well, well, the thing and is... so far, it hasn't, because he hasn't won a game yet. The performances haven't really changed. We okay, scored a goal yet. Oh, yeah, we scored we one scored goal. One. Yeah. yeah, we scored against Brighton. But that performance was poor. Really poor against Brighton. We made Brighton look like Real Madrid. We were shocking that game. Against Madrid, we did very well in the first half. And granted, if Kante got his shooting boots on, if... For me, I thought that was a good save, personally. Where I was, I thought Courtois got down well, and I thought that was a good save. But if those chances go in, it's a whole different game. Well, yeah. but the, as we I said, have, We I, could have been in the semi-final of the Champions League. I agree with you. Yeah. The atmosphere at, against Real Madrid was good, and it seemed like the old Chelsea atmosphere from Champions League season. And what a difference past. it made. What a difference it made. It was probably our best performance of the season. I know we lost. I know it wasn't the result we wanted. And I'm not the kind, I don't accept, I'm not, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not a Tottenham fan. I don't accept defeat like it's success. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I don't think, oh, we've done so well, though. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's unacceptable. I want to win things. Like, I get it. Right. And I'm not somebody that's going to sit here and say that I'm going to accept mediocrity. I'm not saying that. But I just think that our best performance of the season was the one game where the fans were truly behind the team. And I just think, I don't think that, the, I don't think the fans ever got behind Potter 100% and do I think he was the right man for the job I'd like to put this out there no I don't right so I actually agree with part of what these Chelsea fans that I'm sort of saying have done you know a bad job supporting the club I, I agree that he wasn't the right man for the job I agree with them about that but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what we agree with it doesn't matter you don't you don't get to pick and choose how you support a football club. If you support a football club, you just support them. And I think that if the fans have got had have got 100% behind par, do I think it would have changed things? Do I think we would have been third in the league and in the FA Cup semi-finals and still in the Champions League and having won the League Cup? No, I don't think that was going to happen. But it wouldn't have been as bad as it's been. It wouldn't have been as bad as it's been. And I think Chelsea supporters who attend regularly and all of the social media negativity and everything. I think it all, I think it contributes to the situation. I do agree to your point in terms of the fans and in terms of their reaction. Especially at the games, especially at the games. Well, I was going to say, as soon as Real Madrid scored that first goal, fans were leaving. I was going to say, you know, that's wrong. I was going to say, the thing is, I could understand when Real Madrid scored the first goal, I can completely understand that it's a massive, massive anti-climax, right? Because we had had, like you said, we'd had these chances and the atmosphere was fantastic and everybody's thinking if we get this one goal. I can understand that the crowd was deflated after that goal. Right? I don't, you know, necessarily think that they were bad supporters for that. Um, and But what would have been nice is, like you say, people should have stayed till the end. And I think that the, the, the players deserve to be applauded. And I think the 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 fans deserve to have some appreciation back from the players as well after the game, you know, um, by going around, you know, clapping and giving a thumbs up or whatever. It wouldn't have taken. Well, there a wasn't lot. many after Brighton and Madrid. A lot of them did oh, yeah, go into the. A lot of them did go into the dressing room immediately after. Well, the Brighton game was obviously awful. 
Brighton game was bad. I stayed to the end. All games now, I've stayed to the end. You know, for me, I've done that for years. But the one against Aston Villa for me was a real eye-opener because as soon as the second goal went in, there was booze ringing out, chance of to Potter. You don't know what you're doing. You know, that game signified his... his <coughs> but it was the reaction to the to the crowd. It was the reaction to the crowd. As soon as the second goal went in, we still had half an hour to play. <laughs> and there's fans <laughs> leaving. There's fans yeah. going. And by the time the final was... See, that's not support. See, that I don't think that's supporting the club. Like I could un- See, now the thing is, it's different if there's, if there's a planned walkout or a planned arriving to the game late or a planned, I've bought a ticket, but I'm not going to go. You know, we've seen this with... Everton, oh, yeah, Newcastle, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we've yeah. seen it with other clubs yeah. in recent years. Man United um, in, in as well. We've, we've yeah, seen Manchester then, yeah. United. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, see, now that as a planned protest, because they say, you know, um, we really don't think that Potter's the right man. We, we don't like the way the club's being run. We don't like this. We don't like that, blah, blah. That We, we had organised protests against Rafael Benitez all them years ago and everything. Um, so that is different, right? That is you putting your hand up saying, I'm a supporter of the club. I dedicate my time and like you know my financial means to it, and I travel up and down the country, and I go to Stamford Bridge and everything, blah blah. And I'm not happy with the way the club is being run, right, or whatever the situation situation may be that they're not happy with. I can accept that, but you do your protest, you arrive to the game late, you do whatever you're gonna do, you walk in in the 16th minute, whatever you're gonna do, and then you support the club because you say, right, I don't like how it is but I love the club and I'm going to support the club. I don't see that happening at Chelsea. I'm very embarrassed by Chelsea fans, especially in the last 20 years. We've had this conversation many a time on the podcast. um, And it's something that is obviously um, not going to really change unless we get relegated a couple of times saying so get rid of them all which I think would be absolutely brilliant but um, <laughs> just to get rid of just to get rid of all the plastic glory hunters I don't see the support I don't see enough support from the fans and I think they have to accept a certain amount of responsibility for it Would you then say in terms of the supporters because I, I agree the atmosphere not just this season going back to last year or the year before last year before that the atmosphere isn't the same anymore. Okay. Now, I'm not buying the fact that, oh, there's too many tourists there. I'm not buying the fact that... I, I, I am, I am because I, I, I am not, and I'm not. the sole reason, not the sole reason. I was going to say, I, I, I am I really and I'm not. I don't buy that the thing, as the sole reason. No, but the thing is, but the thing is, it essentially is the sole reason because it's not just the amount of... Um, and we should probably like clarify by tourists. We don't mean people not from this country. We mean people that are tourists to Chelsea, as in they are not proper born and bred, passionate Chelsea fans like the old school core of Chelsea fans are. We don't obviously mean foreign nationals. We're not being discriminatory against anyone. By no, 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 no. I'm talking. Uh, no, no. Chelsea. I just no, no, no. We know. We know what Real we Madrid. mean. We know what we Especially mean. Especially against Real Madrid, clarify. there was many, there but, was many supporters there that have never you, been to a Chelsea got to remember, game before. In their yeah, lives. well, this is the thing. Well, this is the thing. What you've got to remember is, is that Man United people would say, "Well, why is you know Old Trafford can still be noise, really noisy?" So sorry if you experience a little bit of an overlap or a crossover in this part of the conversation. Myself and uh, Keith were having some technical issues there, so apologies if there's a little 
break there and you get a little bit confused, but it was our issue, our end. You're not having technical issues, we are. Um, but no, um, you know, the atmosphere can still be terrific at places like Man United where you would expect them to be a lot of like glory hunters and stuff like you find at Chelsea as well. Um, plastics, as I call them. Um, but they've got a big enough ground that the, the hardcore fans can still go every single week. Chelsea are not in that position. Chelsea has gone so corporate and, you know, we're not going to get into the whole trying to get ticket things because we'll be here for Oh, days. God, we'll be here for... Um, but you can't... Start you can't season. But, but, you know, unless you're cor- corporate, get preference for everything even away games. So we haven't got enough um, space to be able to fit all of the corporate in as well as all of the hardcore supporters. So it is... So I would say that the model of the club and the corporate side of it is keeping proper Chelsea fans away from the ground. And I think that what you're left with is a lot of the plastics and they're the ones that are predominantly the least supportive of the club, historically speaking and traditionally speaking, speaking from experience, that that set of fans are less supportive when the club is not just winning, 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 winning. And I think that's a massive contributing factor to the state of the club and to the state of the team at the minute. I think that we could have done a lot better. I mean, we've had seasons not dissimilar to this and we've won trophies, you know, so I don't know what else to say, really, about the, I I agree with those fans, fans that you were talking about when you was, you know, what led to this conversation, you know, you Mm. was talking about an older generation of fans saying this and saying that, yeah, they can't get to the game no more to even support the team. So it's, it's a sad state of affairs. It, it it is it is concerning. Let's talk about because I, I do I do want to get the, onto this topic before we do um, finally get out of here. My laptop doesn't start playing oh. games on me again. The the alleged candidates Warren that are looking at this job. We've got Mauricio Pochettino. We've got Vincent Company, which was a, a huge shock when it was announced yesterday. And a mystery guy who has alleged got links with Chelsea, but whether that's true, well, I, let's just say, well, well, let's let's let's, 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 just let's say this. Let's just I was going to say, well, we no, know. I was, well, I was going to say, why don't we look at the two that we know, which is Company and Pochettino, and then let's say that the third man is a wild card, and it could be anybody that you wanted it to be, and anybody that I wanted it to be. Who would I pick? Who would you pick? Because regardless of the third option, and it could be Mourinho or Pep Guardiola. Who would you have? The, if it was mystery, who, who who would you have as the if it, if, if, it, if it was mystery, I'd have Carlo Ancelotti. Right. Um, however, I want Poch. Okay. I think Can you explain right... to me and the listeners why you would want Poch as the next Chelsea manager? Well, I think that he showed that his recruitment at Tottenham under difficult circumstances with Levy as the owner. I think that he showed that the recruitment side of things, he had it pretty good. Um, I think that he didn't have a great deal of money or a great squad. I think that we could have a great squad with the players that we have and the money that we could generate from getting rid of the dead weight weight and the fat around the edges and, you know, trimming the squad down a little bit. I think that we could, you know, get by a striker, maybe. (laughs) Maybe two, maybe two! Um, but we could get a striker or two, perhaps. And I think that he'd done an excellent job at Tottenham. Obviously, he didn't win anything, but you can't blame Pochettino for that. That's Tottenham. 
Like that's in their DNA. Like that's just who they are. <laughs> so you can't blame him for that. Um, I think that he helped Harry, de- Harry Kane develop an awful lot. I think the people like Kieran Trippier have gone on to have great careers and their, and their careers really took off under Poch. Um, I think that if you look at um, obviously like Son and people like that, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think Pochino done a good job at um, Tottenham. Even Lucas Moura. I mean, I, he was never like explosive or anything, but he was better than Pulisic or Ziyech has been at Chelsea, for example. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I just think that, and I, I think that he was very unfairly treated at Paris Saint-Germain because he, he got sacked because he couldn't do the one thing that nobody could do at Paris Saint-Germain, which is win the Champions League, whoever's yeah. in charge. So I think that um, Paris Saint-Germain seemed to be a team in a lot more harmony under Pochettino than they have anyone else since. Um, in terms of all you hear about is Neymar and Messi and Mbappe all rowing and arguing and they're going to do this and they're going to blah, 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 all the rest of it. Didn't hear that so much under Pochettino. They seem to knuckle down a little bit. Um, and what I also quite like is the fact that Pochettino won't just rush into any job. He won't just take a job. Like he's been offered, it, whether he's been offered or not, he's certainly been spoken to about the Chelsea job before. He's been spoken to about the Man United job. Um, he's probably been spoken to about international jobs. He was probably spoken to for Barcelona roles. He was probably considered, they put Tuchel in pretty quickly, which seemed like they already had a plan, but maybe two weeks by Munich, I mean. But I bet by Munich, when they were saying, right, we're going to get rid of this guy, and we want to bring Tuchel in. I bet at some point, somebody said, what about Pochettino? I said, well, it might be worth having a think about him. You know, and so that they, he's had options, and he hasn't rushed into anything. He seems like quite a pragmatic manager. He seemed to be quite a man-manager. He always defended his players. Um, he seemed to love his players and support his players, and never really had massive falling outs or anything, only really with the owners, but that's because they're divs at Tottenham. So for those reasons, yeah, and he's done it in England before. You know, he's he's got experience in the league. He can speak the language. He understands the intensity. He understands, he understands the media. He understands the atmospheres. He understands the rivalries. Um, you know, he gets it. So yeah, I'd, Pochettino would be my pick. Certainly wouldn't be company too unproven. Like that's, I mean, it'd, it'd like, be another you know, Potter. It, well, well, I mean, yeah, somebody that, yeah, with the right. The thing is, you're gonna get you're gonna get patience at Brighton and Burnley and Crystal Palace and teams like you know you're gonna get patience there. You're not gonna get patience at the top level, which you should do because if you think that Liverpool are having an awful season and they had an awful season the season after they won it. Um, and they had an awful, uh, a pretty bad season, first season under Klopp as well. It wasn't great. Um, but they've kept him there for seven years and look what he's done in the the other four or five seasons, you know. So there's no reason that a manager can't come and do that at Chelsea. And I think that if that's what they're going to try and do, I think Pochettino could, is the right choice. Interesting. I think there's... From what I gathered and from the take from yesterday, there are a lot of Chelsea fans that not happy and I Well because of the because of the my, Tottenham links, right? They, yeah, these 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 well, are not real these are not real Chelsea supporters because real Chelsea view, supporters what could this is the thing, right? Real Chelsea supporters, right? When they think about the rivalry of Tottenham and they think about this situation, what they would think is, Oh, imagine he come here and won a trophy and how we could rub it in their face. Well, yeah, that's that's one, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and yeah. this is another and this is another thing. Would you not want Harry Kane in your team? 
I would, but I wouldn't want to spend stupid money. But I know. No, yeah, a, no, yeah, that's fair enough. Circus, but that's, but that's, but that's not, but that's not the point that I'm making. It's not nothing to do with how much it costs. What I mean but then, is, is that these Chelsea fans, but these, but these Chelsea fans that are saying, "Oh, we don't want Poch because he's got Tottenham links." What? So you're telling me you wouldn't want Harry Kane or you wouldn't want him Kane won't come to us. No, but that's not the. But this is no, Keith. You're missing the point that I'm making completely. I'm saying that these Chelsea fans that are saying we don't want Poch because of Tottenham links are fucking idiots. Because are you telling me? That as a fan of the club, you don't want Pochettino in charge because of his Tottenham links. That that so by the same notion, you wouldn't want Harry Kane at centre forward, or you wouldn't want Hummin Son in there, or do you know what I mean? You wouldn't want one or two of their other like very good players. Of course you would. Of course you would. Like it'd be mental not to. Why would you not want somebody who Harry Kane is every bit as good as Erling Haaland, right? If he was to play in the Man City team and he was told don't come deep. Don't link up the play. Don't try and win headers. Don't try and help out defending. Just press at the top and go and get goals. He would score 30, He would have scored 30 goals this season for Man City. I think he's every bit as good as Eredin Haaland. In fact, I think he's better because he actually offers an awful lot more to the team. To have Erdin Haaland in your team, you need to be Man City. You need to have seven, eight hundred million pounds worth of player around him doing everything else and a little bit more because he's doing that much less. Harry Kane offers an awful lot more to the team. Uh, excuse me. Um, they're both just as bad at penalties, though. Um, so I, yeah, absolutely. I think Harry Kane's every bit as good as Erling Haaland. So why wouldn't you want Harry? I'd love Chelsea to sign Harry Kane. I really would. Imagine signing Harry Kane, and then he banged in a load of goals and won the league in his first season at Chelsea. Can you imagine the songs and the banter? Tottenham fans would they they just never come out ever again. It would be hilarious and it'd be so typical and it'd be so Spursy. It'd be so Spursy. So, yeah, I want Poch. Why not? Get Poch for the banter. Why not? We're a circus anyway, so just get him for the bands. There's one way to look at it. What do you think? Do you want him in charge? I think he'll get it. He wouldn't be my choice. Who would be? Before Wednesday, and I I spoke to... um, our co-host Mark about this before the game I would want Jose back after no I don't think Jose and Todd would get on I think there'd be a confrontational clash and I think Jose would probably look at the situation and go no similar to what Nagelsmann's done Nagelsmann's looked at the situation he's gone no yeah, I think yeah. that, and that's a worry, and that's a worry because yeah. even five, even five years ago, I mean, if you think that whether people think they're good managers or if there's better managers or anything, blah blah. But if you look in the last sort of like ten or so years, we've had the Ancelotti's, we've had the Conte's, yes. we've had the Mourinho's, and <coughs> excuse me, and if there was a big player, like for example. I don't think that we we could ever be considered to be in the race with Jude Bellingham, right? That, take the finances mm. away from it, right? Mm. Take the finances away from it, right? Whether we could or couldn't afford him is irrelevant. He doesn't. He won't want to join us. Agreed. He doesn't. He, he doesn't. He doesn't want to join Chelsea at the minute. Like I don't think he wants to join Liverpool at the minute because they've had a slightly sloppy season. Like so, what, there's no chance of him coming to Chelsea. <laughs> Um, and, and that's a, that's a worry, like attracting managers and players and everything like that. That's a little bit of a worry moving forward, which is why this this, mm. this period needs to we 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 at the very very least need to stabilise really well um, in the in the coming twelve in the coming pre season and in the next recruitment phase and at the start of next season we need to stabilise the club a lot. Um, I do. 
I'd have I'd have Ancelotti back, like I say. Ancelotti, I think, could come in and solve a lot of problems because I think yeah. that he knows the game so well. He knows clubs so well. He knows big European clubs so well. And he's one of them managers that doesn't really seem to argue with owners, like you say, that Jose does yeah. and everything. There might be a bit of a clash also, there. Also, just to top your point, I think he's probably got a point to prove with Chelsea as well. I think he's got unfinished business yeah. with the club. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, I do as well. But um, then that's, but I, if, that's if Real Madrid are going to get rid of him. If Real Madrid ain't going to get rid of him, he ain't going to jump from Real Madrid to Chelsea. The thing is, well, Ra- is well, Ra- well, but Real Madrid are quite notorious for... You know, well, there's talk, of, they, they, there's talk of them changing Carlo at the end of the season. There was talk of yeah. Arteta game, which I thought was pissingly humorous. But the other man that is partly linked with the job, whether this is due to Italian media or whatnot, did actually get my brain thinking on this, was Conte. Yeah, no. Nah. Again... Quite confrontational with owners. I don't think he and Todd would get on, but my goodness, what a Conte. <laughs> how, as you said, you mentioned about Spursy. How Spursy would that be if Conte came in and we I don't winning see a trophy, it. Conte? I don't. I can't see it. I, I, the I would is, love for it to happen. The thing is, it could, the thing is, the reason, happen. I was going to say, the thing is, the reason that it could happen is because, look, Conte's not silly. Conte will, will remember that when he won the league at Chelsea, we had no European football. Mm-hmm. And that will be the case next season, that we will have no European Different football. Different team, though, to be fair. We had more leaders back then than what we have now. But there, I, I, I get your point. But I do, looking at it from the, from the inside, Conte's going to go back to Italy. I mean, he's in Italy now. So he, he, he's just waiting for the right job, think, whether Roma I just comes think up he, or I think he'll take time. I think he'll take time out what with his health issues that he's had this year. It's, it was, he's it had was a good. tough 12 months. It was, good. it was good to see him back on the touchline and fit and healthy and raring he's to had go a tough and everything. It was, yeah, it was, good to, it was good to see him back, for sure. Um, it's even better to see him leave Tottenham. Um, yes. So yeah, I think you're right. I think I think he'll go back to Italy. I think he'll probably end up taking over one of the Milan teams or something. Yeah. What would you say to those? We're, we're, we're going to put a bow on this now. We're going to try and wrap this up. What would you say to the supporters? And you you mentioned this briefly earlier. The ones that I've heard from and ones that people have told me about that they would be willing to sell their season tickets or not go again considering how bad the circus is at Chelsea Football Club, and especially if Poch or company comes in. Do you think that they've got a right to their... Obviously, they've got a right to their opinion. Do you believe yeah. that there's any valid believe, reason for them not to go? Or do you I, think that I, I it's believe a bit of a knee-jerk are, reaction? And well, just, I, as you said, support the club. Well, I believe that there are two types of people that would say that. You have people that... Uh, not loyal and not passionate to the club and haven't supported the club through hard times before and I would say that they're plastics and they can fuck off. Then you've got the group of people that are from the more diehard set of supporters and have been going for not just a number of years because that's not the only factor in what makes you a loyal uh, like football supporter but for example people that have been going for many years, maybe people from a slight, from a, the, the generation before ours and I think that their decision to maybe give up their season tickets or not go anymore isn't just to do with the football or just to do with how the clubs run. I think a huge contributing factor is the supporters around them. 
I think they've become very disillusioned and very disconnected. And even that, that group of Chelsea supporters that I consider myself to be in have become very disconnected and very disillusioned with the supporters around them. And I think that that's a huge contributing factor. So, of course, as you said, they have a right to their opinion. But I think you have those two categories of people. So, like I said, my my reaction to that, my opinion on that is the first set of supporters that are not loyal and have never seen us through shit times, they can fuck off. The ones that are making the decision that have been there through thick and thin, I can understand their decision to do it because I think they've become disconnected even with the supporters around them. I felt very disconnected. When I went to Newcastle away with you, um, I felt very, very disconnected from a lot of Chelsea fans. Now, obviously, I know a lot of the Chelsea fans there and a lot of them you know, are good lads and I've seen them up and down the country for years and years. Um, but even in the... Even in the pub beforehand, there was like there were small little groups of that kind of Chelsea supporter there, but most of them were just that. Like, yeah, they were just tourists. They just didn't even, they just didn't look right. They just didn't look right. They, they didn't sound place. right. Yeah, looked they out, felt. Yeah. yeah, you could see see that they felt awkward and felt out of place, and it was all very forced, and it was all very. Oh, I saw them sing this song on YouTube. I'm going to start this song. Um, and and I could just feed it, and it was yeah, it was uh, it wasn't really eye opening because I knew what it was like, and I knew that it had been building up for a while. But it was the first time I felt like it was more than half of them were like that. Like usually there was, like I said, like there, there's groups and pockets of good Chelsea, like what I consider good Chelsea fans about the place, but the rest of them are the the plastics. And but it used to be the other way, especially at away games. You know, you'd have three thousand somewhere. And yeah, like you'd have 500 of the tourists there, but two and a half thousand of them would have been Chelsea, proper diehard Chelsea through and through. And I think that the, it's the other way around now. And that's the that's the most upsetting thing about everything to do with Chelsea. I can handle it. Like I said, Keith, if Chelsea were to get relegated, um, I'd go on a, I'd go on a, I'd go on a championship and a League One tour. I'd go to all the grounds that I've never had the privilege of going to and see Chelsea at places I'd never seen them before and see a load of academy come through and re-establish our identity and, you know, get rid of all the supporters who annoy me and everything and blah, blah. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that happening because like well, I said, the most upset, the most upsetting thing is how disconnected I am from the club. Just to top off your point, obviously this was after the Real Madrid game. Brentford were playing next week in yeah. a game where Brentford obviously needed the points for Europe as well. So they've probably got more for the game. Riding on it have. in that sense, yeah. Yeah. Now, this season, the ticket exchange, and for those of you that know what I'm about to say in terms of the ticket exchange, will know their frustrations and my frustrations with it. All season, there's been no tickets for any games on that ticket exchange. Even years ago, you used to get certain snippets, you used to get quite a few. Especially closer to the game. Now, on Wednesday, I took my daughter to swimming and a friend of mine said, oh, he's after a Brentford ticket. You know, you able to help with your connections? I said, well, let me have a look on, you know, the site. And somebody told me that it was this was announced on Twitter that they did a screenshot of the tickets that are available for the game against Brentford. There were hundreds all really? over the pit, all, all, all over the ground. There was loads in the Matthew Harding lower, loads in the Matthew Harding upper, loads in the East upper, loads in the West lower, loads, absolute loads, basically. 
And I said to the guy, yeah, you're probably best. He said, don't use um, Twitter or don't use the WhatsApp groups. Just go on Chelsea's website. Just go on the ticket exchange. Oh, huh? well, every time I use it, it's, out, it's sold out. No, try it. And he did. He got one. I got yeah. one. I got front row East Upper, which I'm looking forward nice. to. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Good to see from there. Seat one, row one, East Upper, which I'm looking forward to, and that's next Wednesday. But there were loads. And I think that's where this has now got to the point where people don't want to go, where people are happy to sell their tickets on probably between now and the end of the season. Because whether it's they've given up, I don't think it, I don't think they've given up on the club. I just think they've just given up on this season and they're yeah. just pretty much tired of the, sh- pardon me French, the shit that's come on leaps and bounds this season with this <laughs> club, even from Tottenham at home to Leeds away, Southampton away, all the way back in August to now. It's been one constant shit show after another. And there are people that are tired and I understand that, but I'm not going to give up on my team. I'm not going to leave 20 minutes early being 2-0 down or half an hour early after losing to the European champions. I'm I'm certainly not going to do that. I'm going to clap the players that are clapping us back for thanking us to stay there till the end. But I'm going to appreciate the fact that at the end of the day, they are human. At the end of the day, their confidence is shot, but they're still putting in a shift. We've got a 39-year-old centre-back who's technically still our best centre-back. That's how we are in a shit show at the moment. He's still producing the goods where people like myself and others that would love to be at Chelsea. If we put the effort in, if we put the effort in, if we put the same effort in against Brentford as we did against Real Madrid, then we could, you know, we could we could still well, we'd tear Brentford apart, I think. Because I yes. think we are still yeah. just a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I think we are just a lot better. But yeah, but I think that. Um... Would you say just just to sum it up, Warren? Because again, we, we could be here for hours talking about this. But just to sum it up, do you believe? And again, you you, you and I have known each other for a while now, and you've been on the show many many times, and we've had disputes, we've had rants galore about Chelsea. But in terms of this summer, we've discussed about different summers in the past would you say this one in particular is probably one of the most key summers this club will ever likely to have i think decades? it will I, I i think it will mold how we are for 10 years yeah i agree the next the, the next two seasons the next two seasons will define how we are for 10 years and where we're going to be at and whether we have to spend two or three years completely rebuilding you know like almost you know kind of you, you know, you have to look at what Arsenal have done. You have to look at the way that Newcastle are approaching it. You have to look at the Liverpool, way that Liverpool... Yeah, yeah, they you weren't have to always look at the top way, four. You have to look at the way that Liverpool have rebranded themselves. You have to look at the way that Man City have started going about their business being very shrewd in the transfer market. I know that they have a billion pound squad and they spent a billion under Pep. But in the last two or three years, they spent hardly anything compared to the money they've bought in, really. Um so you've got to look at these things and they, and they take and they take two or three years to put in place and then it can take another year or two to start really, really seeing the results. So you're talking about, you know, if something doesn't work for the next two years and then we have to completely rebrand and completely remodel from the bottom up, then you're talking about it being seven years until we can start seeing, seven, eight years until we can start expecting consistent success again. 
And that's fine as long as we know that's what's happening, as long as that's clear that's what's happening. And as long as there's constant progress, you know, if we finish seventh one season, then, you know, the next season we must finish fifth and then we must get into the Champions League. Then we must stay in the Champions League and then we must start winning trophies. And then after a little while is when we can start pushing for the league. Um, but there has to be clear evidence of it because at the moment, all we're doing is going backwards. And that's kind of where we're at at the minute. We're going backwards. Yeah. So, big future ahead. Huge future ahead for Chelsea. Quite a good future for the Blue Day podcast coming up. Warren, can you believe it'll be 150 episodes next week? And we've got a very special guest that I'm going to announce start of next week who it's going to be. But 150 yes. episodes coming well, up. Well, I mean, Quite special. Well, considering you well, was part of the first one, you was you was there for yes, day one as well. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. I was there in one way or another. Probably taking a piss out of Poya or <laughs> or, or Sutton, Andy your Townsend, friend Chris or, Sutton. Or, yeah, or Andy Townsend, my good friend there. Um, but no, first of all, huge congratulations. The the podcast has come on so well. Um, and obviously, I've spoke to you before. I mentioned the podcast before about the guests and. The, the the previous co-hosts and the future co-hosts and everybody that's going to be coming on the show. I know the people that you've sort of obviously got lined up and that you're hoping to get in the near future as well. Um, yeah, 150. I mean, here's to the next 150, I guess. Of but, course, um, yeah. Let's see. Maybe we'll have to do a 300th episode review or something. Um, I hope so. But yeah, yeah but yeah, maybe a 200, 250, 300, you know. There's going to be a lot of milestones in the future. And yeah, I look forward to, as a fan of the podcast, I look forward to it myself. And for those that are interested in listening to our previous player episodes, we've re- the recent one we've had was Gareth Hall. I urge you to listen to that one because it is great to listen to the guys that were there, Chelsea, before all the money was there. But there's good stories there about Ken Bates and some of Gareth Hall's teammates as well. So I urge you to listen to that one. We've got a plethora of former Chelsea guys that have been on the show, the likes of Eddie Newton, Sean Wright Phillips, Marco Ambrosio, remember him, you know, Gary Chivers, Gary Stanley, Ron Harris. Chopper as Harris. Well. Cho- who can forget Chopper Harris as well? Well, our first player, our first player interview. Yes. The and very we were... first player interview, the man who's played more games for Chelsea than anybody else. And it was a fantastic occasion to have him on the show. And it's been lovely to have you guys on the show as well, listening to us. We hope you've enjoyed this week, whereby Chelsea are not playing. But good luck to the women who are playing in the Champions League. Good luck to them. Yeah, go good on, luck girls. to Emma do, and the girls. Do the cheaters. Hopefully they haven't paid the ref. <laughs> no more, no more Andrews Frisk. But we hope you've enjoyed this week. We will be back soon for our 150th episode. Remember to find us on Twitter at the Blue Day Pod. Find us on Instagram at the Blue Day Podcast, and find us on Facebook as well. I've been Keith Lawrence. Stay safe and carefree. Podcast Network.